You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Thanks for tuning into the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. We continually are trying new things with the show. So if you'd like new questions or you have any new suggestions for us, feel free to reach out. We're happy to hear it. A couple of you listeners have, and we definitely appreciate it. If you'd like to be on the show as either a millionaire interview or as a guest interview, please feel free to reach out. We're happy to have anybody on. We've had many guest interviews who aren't yet millionaires, but are on their way to becoming such. So also, we have some multifamily investing opportunities uh, in both the Southwest and the Northeast regions. We've continually had high IRRs and success, and we're partnering with a couple guys that have a great track record of success. <clears throat> Excuse me. So if you're interested in investing, please feel, reach, please feel free to reach out. We continue to work on uh, audio quality and other things with the show. So thanks again for tuning in and listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. So on today's show, we have Anton. And he has a current net worth of about 450000 He's a millennial and he's on his way to becoming a millionaire. And so we were trying to see how he thought and what his goals were and what he was doing now so that he could reach millionaire status in the future. He's invested uh, about 45% in real estate, 15% in cash, about 30% in stocks, and then the rest in, in other buckets, including a little bit in cryptocurrency. <clears throat> Excuse me. He owns two houses one that he lives in and one that he rents out for about five, or he cash flows about 500 a month from that. And so we talked to him about why he bought that second house, what his thinking was, he did pay some PMI on it, and why he's keeping the house rather than paying it off and focusing on either his primary mortgage or investing his other things. We also uh, do some rapid fire questions with him, his most expensive jeans, his most expensive car purchase, shoe purchase, and what's worth spending the money on. Uh, One thing that I really like that he said is he talked about making his assets as big of a piece of his net worth as his W-2 income. And so he's trying to get to that place where he has some additional cash flow from other pieces besides his primary job. So let's get into the interview with him. Welcome to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast. Today on the call, we've got Anthony. Anthony, do you want to just give us a little bit of your background and what you're doing now? Yeah, you bet. Um, Yeah, I've been... You know, I've been at this, I guess, about, uh, been working full-time about five years, um, which, you know, my wife, as we were kind of talking through this last night, uh, reminded me. It's been shorter than I thought, so I guess I can forgive myself for some of the mistakes I've made. But um, but I'm work, I work in software sales. Um, before that, I did a little bit of pest control sales while I was um, going to school, and that really kind of helped um, build the foundation. But... You know, I guess really the story started uh, when I was about 21. I traded my first stock and it was JetBlue. I bought it for, I think it was like four bucks uh, and I sold it for 650 and I was, you know, like a couple months later and I was so happy. Um, it's trading now at like 22 for the record. But uh, but uh, that that experience was like, man, I love the stock market. I was doing pre-med at the time. And I was like, man, I just really love this investing thing. And I'm so lucky because it kind of flipped the switch. Um, I, I switched. Uh, I didn't end up doing 
uh, medical school. I went into finance and and then uh, ultimately got into sales and have kind of been plugging away ever since. And, um, you know, it's been great. I uh, quickly, you know, sales gave me the ability to quickly increase my income and we've stayed, you know, pretty constant in spending. And that's really just allowed us to been really eye opening to uh, really sit down with one of my colleagues uh, post uh, my last company was acquired, uh, you know, about uh, six months ago, and really to sit down with one of my colleagues six months ago and be like, hey, like, so, you know, what's your plan and, and really realize that, you know, things are kind of starting to become within reach, uh, which is really fun. So Good stuff. And what's your net worth today? Um, so I'd say four hundred fifty thousand, um, somewhere between that and four ten. Uh, depends on you know. I like to be super conservative. Uh, I like to hold my real estate like net of costs. Uh, but but the true you know market value is uh, closer to uh, four fifty five actually. Good stuff. And how is that broken up? Oh, there's there's some a lot of fun stuff there. Um, I will say that uh, investing is definitely one of my hobbies. So I have played around uh, quite a bit. Uh, and that, that strategy is actually changing a little bit. I'm trying to focus a little bit more on my job and I'll focus more on the crazy strategies a little bit later in life uh, when it means more. But, uh, but to answer your question, uh, currently it's about uh, 15% cash. Uh, 44% real estate and 27% stocks. Uh, then the extra about 15% is in uh, what I'll call uh, alternate investments, um, lending club, uh, cryptocurrency, and uh, some deferred compensation. And is your real estate primary residence, rental properties? Yeah, it's... Uh, a couple, a couple of rental properties, uh, and kind of a primary residence in the making. So, um, you know, I've got, uh, this is actually pretty interesting. Um, you know, here in Utah, the, the builders are so far behind that, you know, I contracted in July at a certain price and you know, they don't really finish the house till October. And so I kind of see it as an option on the housing market, but I've got, you know, about 40, hundred in that uh, third property as a construction deposit. Um, you know, I, I view it kind of as a housing option because I got a full year to see what the market does and see, hey, do I really want to buy that house at you know two eighty five or you know if the market crashes, great, I walk away and I'm only out forty five hundred. So, um, but yeah, it's split up between kind of two properties and one in the works. So, how much equity do you have in each of those? Um, one of them, uh, I purchased, uh, right when I got married, kind of before I changed strategy. Uh, and so I put 20% down, um, which, you know, at the time was about 50,000 and it's appreciated about 60,000. So about 111,000 of equity in that property. Um, again, I did the kind of the housing option, uh, Ended up contracting about 18 months ago and a year ago moved into the property that I'm currently at. Uh, I put down 12.5 and uh, current equity is about 53, uh, 54,000. And then you're renting out the other one, the first one you mentioned? Yeah, I'm renting out the first one. Um, the 20% down the numbers are great. Uh, <laughs> it cash flows about $500 a month. Um, and this second one, 
The second one, though, actually, uh, even with with twelve twelve thousand down, uh, should cash flow about uh, three hundred fifty a month. So. And are those properties near each other? Or how yes. Far apart? Yep, they are about a quarter mile apart. So. So that's got to be helpful. So I assume you self manage the other rental. Yep, that's a great assumption. Yeah, and and my strategy, I won't say that my real estate strategy is necessarily. Um, I'm not buying at the best price, right? I'm buying with a builder, but there are some benefits to that. It allows me to choose my lot. Um, you know, so I was able to choose a pretty private lot. One of them is, you know, so I I look for something that's going to differentiate myself as a landlord. Uh, one of them has a walkout basement onto a golf course. Um, one of them, you know, this, my current one backs up to a wetland, you know, so there's no backdoor neighbors, very, very private, um, you know, deer and, and, uh, pheasants in the backyard. So, uh, I, I really look for that differentiator. So even though I'm not necessarily getting, you know, walking into a ton of equity other than the, you know, of course the appreciation and the time that it takes them to build it, uh, I'm still able to differentiate myself a little bit. Sure. So how much do you run it for? And then how much would you say it costs to operate each month? Yeah. Uh, well, again, because I'm buying new, the the expenses are pretty low. And that's that's kind of my strategy. If I'm going to self-manage, I wanted it to be uh, pretty hands-off. And so um, I, I rent it for $1,600. The um, principal and interest and insurance is at uh, 985 I believe. And then I've got HOA at uh, one forty-one, so uh, it should be nine sixty-five because uh, principal interest plus HOA gets me right right to eleven hundred. How come you decided to to buy that house versus or the rental property to keep the rental property rather than focusing on paying off a mortgage on the on your primary residence now? Yeah, for for me, it's you know it's about leverage. Um, you know, it's about kind of safely, safely leveraging myself, um, early in life. Um, you know, I won't say that, um, you know, 20% down was pretty safe. The second one was at 5%. I certainly am not the the type that wants to go buy a bunch of, of, uh, properties at 5% down, but certainly moving, you know, being able to move in gives me an advantage with, you know, having a, a better interest rate, right. An, an owner occupied interest rate. So while I'm young, uh, while I, you know, before I have kids with, which, you know, we have one on the way here in July, um, you know, it just really gives me the ability to, to lock in a little bit better interest rate and, uh, be able to leverage myself a little bit more. Um, you know, I was actually considering putting 20 or a 10% down rather on the third property, but, uh, this first one has a, appreciated so much that I'm uh, looking to refinance right now and get rid of PMI, which, uh, you know, frees up some cash to, to where I probably might even go 5% on the, on the third one. So we'll see. And, and how much is your PMI? Um, it's right around a hundred dollars a month. So gotcha. And then what are the, just curious on the interest rates on the property? <laughs> yeah. The, the first one, um, it is a mistake that I made that originally I had it as a 15 year loan because it was my primary residence. I, I refinanced, uh, paid a few thousand there, but the I refinanced from a 3% 15 year to a three and a half percent, uh, 30 year. Um, the current one is at 4.25, uh, on a 30 year. 
Gotcha. So I just want to go back to the stocks. What what stocks are you holding? Do you do mutual funds, index funds, or, or single stocks? What's your strategy there? Yep, it's it's a little bit of both. Um, my, or I mean, sorry, it's a little little bit of all of the above. Um, I have I've kept a portfolio. Um, you know, I've kind of limited myself, and even as my net worth has grown, I've I've limited myself uh, a little bit to what I can trade. Um, but it's certainly something that I love doing, and so I have I have some stocks that I trade. Um, currently, that actually makes up about uh, individual stocks makes up 48 percent of what I have in the market. But that is heavily weighted uh, uh, to some stock because of the acquisition. Uh, that's kind of in a tie up period, and so um, you know it, it weights that a little bit heavier. Um, I'll, a lot of everything that I'm putting in right now is towards index funds. Uh, and then I also have some index funds that are managed by, a, uh, you know, within a mutual fund, essentially, or with, you know, some with Jackson and some with Northwestern Mutual. Good stuff. So as you're super young, what's kind of the strategy going forward as you grow your net worth? And, and you know, just throw this out there, are you kind of on the path to financial independence, retire early? Or is that kind of something that's still in the back of the mind as, as a maybe? Yeah, that, that's a great question. It's it's up in the air, and I'll say that you know we'd probably be a lot better at spending or at spending less if we knew what the goal was. <laughs> we don't really know what the goal is uh, right now. The goal is more, um, you know, hey, I'm I, I can do well in sales, and it's only marginally painful, <laughs> uh, right? You know, sales is pretty stressful, and I don't know that I'll be there forever. So certainly, I want to uh, save pretty aggressively, um, but. I would say that the the most definite goal on the horizon is more of a, a sabbatical, uh, whether it's a year, whether it's two years. Um, but that's that's kind of the goal in mind is get to a point where our assets can really grow and and be a as big of a piece of a pie as my income, and and then see what happens, right? And find find my passion, do what makes me happy, and you know I I love to work. I you know I. I, you know, so it's hard to see myself, you know, retiring at the age of, of, uh, 37, 38, but it's certainly something that could be in the cards. Um, you know, so I'm definitely gearing towards that, you know, 25 times, uh, you know, my, uh, annual spend, you know, 25 or uh, 50,000. So that takes me up in that range. But again, likely what will happen at that point is I'll take a couple year sabbatical, um, I'll find out what something that I want to do, and I'll probably continue to work uh, until I get to more of a comfortable uh, number uh, to retire on. What has your savings rate been in the five-year, seven-year journey? Yeah, um, it certainly, you know, it's always been, I've always targeted 50%. Um, that's certainly become a lot easier <laughs> as as the income's risen. Um, I think last year we were right around 70%, um, although, again, the income was uh, kind of heavily skewed due to the acquisition uh, of my previous company. But, um, you know, I, I would say that's kind of the goal moving forward is settling about in the 60% range. I wouldn't say that we're excessively frugal. Um, you know, I, I grew up as the, as one of 11 kids, and so, you know, I grew up and my dad, you know, we lived on uh, – and we lived on 
like 30,000 with 11 kids. And I don't know how they did it. Um, so I'm, you know, I, I sit, you know, I spend about anywhere from 45 to 50,000 a year. And, and I feel like we're living like Kings. Um, I could be a lot more aggressive there, but you know, I haven't felt necessarily that I need to be. And so that's something as we firm up our long-term goals. Um, you know, I think there's some, there's definitely a lot of wiggle room there. Um, but I'm also, you know, I like to be able to help out uh, where I can as well, you know, and that's something that's, uh, that's nice for me to be able to help, you know, a friend in a hard place. So, yeah. How has it been working with your wife on finances? Have you guys always seen <laughs> eye to eye? You don't, you probably don't want to admit publicly on an interview that you haven't, but you know, how has it been working together or what, hey, this- what have you found to be successful? Yeah, no, this, this is where you guys get a, get a big uh, thumbs up. So, uh, I mean, shoot, I can't say it, it probably a year ago that, that, you know, we like to go on evening walks and, uh, you know, it, it wasn't more than a year ago that my wife would say, hey, you can't talk about real estate on our walks. Like we, real estate conversations are banned from our walks. Um, but, uh, but actually, you know, we started becoming a lot more focused as, you know, as I listened to the podcast and would share with her, uh, and she started to to kind of branch out in a different um, podcast. She she kind of found the story of the frugal woods and was like, man, let's go buy, you know, sixty acres in uh, Virginia or you know in Virginia and have a homestead. So uh, that's helped a lot. Uh, she's come a long ways. Um, it certainly is a little bit more helpful to have us uh, on the same page. And you know, and I think that, um, yeah, it's. It you know at first she kind of looked at me like I was crazy because I've always had the goal to retire you know my goal was always to retire before my oldest uh, kid graduated from high school right so uh, well I guess I'm you know 29 now so that that gives me at least until I'm 47 which is you know uh, easy at this point but um, but that's always kind of been the goal and you know as again as I've you know this last Last year was just such a great year. And, you know, again, things will likely change in the future. And, you know, and that's why I'm a little cash heavy is, is, uh, you know, real estate and stocks have certainly been on a tear, but, um, she initially had a really hard time envisioning that, like, what, you know, what, how's that going to look? And, um, but she's kind of come a long ways. I've been tempting her with, you know, the, the idea of buying a, you know, a truck and a trailer and spending at least six months, you know, on a tour as I, you know, kind of an, an in between jobs. Um, but, you know, we'll see, we'll see when that opportunity presents itself, I guess. So you're at about, you know, you're halfway there, halfway to a million, about 500,000, let's say. Is it, is it motivating to, to try and get there faster? Is it discouraging? Has it gone faster than you thought or, or slower? No, it's, it's certainly gone faster. And, you know, and I think that, um, you could chalk it up to, to luck, you know, again, the markets have done really well, but I I had a a few asset categories that beat, you know, the 32% that the S&P did last year or whatever it was. Um, you know, and even some of my individual stock trading, uh, that has outperformed, uh, again, I'm, I'm trying to shy away from that a little bit more as I've seen it grow and, and say, Hey, I, you know, I don't necessarily need to take the risk, um, or at least, you know, I don't need to take the risk on, of, on the majority of, of my assets. Um, so I've kind of, you know, realized that and, and tried to become a lot more, 
um, aggressive and also tried to free up more of my time. Um, you know, I, you know, I had a $25,000 portfolio last year that again, I, I did beat the market, but it's like, how much time did I spend on that? And I beat the market by a couple percent, you know, is it really worth it? Um, and, and that's where I'm kind of on the fence. Uh, I love, I love trading stocks, right? It's certainly a hobby of mine, but you know, at, at the end of the day, I'd be a lot better off, you know, spending a, an extra hour a day on, on my sales and, you know, getting a few extra commission checks and that'll, that'll probably go a lot longer of a way. But again, it's just that aspect of investing. That's just so fascinating to me that I love to uh, try different um, asset classes. So so what has been your return maybe in the last year and in the last five years? Um, I wouldn't say, well, I don't have a good answer for that, I guess. Um, it's not something that I've tracked uh, too much. Um, you know, even even with real estate, you know, I haven't really like held myself accountable as much as I should have. Um, but. But but stocks, you know, again, I, I usually hover around the average. I'm not I'm not much worse than the average. You know, I have up years and down years in stocks. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a really good story from, you know, when I was still in school. You know, I anyway, but uh, got into trading options for a little while, which was quite fascinating. I certainly don't have the stomach for that anymore. Um, you know, and even cryptocurrency, I'm kind of losing the stomach for that amount of risk, um, and I'm. You know, I've been on the fence. If if it wasn't, if I didn't have long-term gain, capital gains hitting in June, I'd uh, I'd probably just sell it all and and uh, sleep a little better at night. Yeah. So I'm curious, what kind of cryptocurrency do you have, and and what'd you buy it at, and what's it at now? Yeah, I, I you know I got in I got in fairly late, and and certainly in the hype uh, period, um, my CEO had my CEO got into. Well, I, anyway, um, he got into to Bitcoin very early. Uh, I think it was under twenty bucks, and uh, you know, and I got in probably more around the four thousand range, um, and I got into Ethereum right at about one forty, which was actually my first uh, first trade. Um, so I have, you know, I have it really split between the the three most accessible, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin. And then I have a, a very small percentage in more speculative um, currencies. Um, again, I w- wouldn't say that's the, you know, <laughs> most educated decision of my life by any means, uh, nor would I recommend it to the faint of heart. Uh, but, you know, it was it was just fun. Again, as a, you know, as an investor, I was just fascinated by the, the growth and the bubble and I just just kind of wanted to have a, a horse in the race, right? And so it just made it that much more fun. Uh, that one, you know, you could probably, I probably could have just put it all on red. But so, what other mistakes have you made that we haven't talked about, or anything that you wish you would have done differently? Yeah, um, I think that that one thing is, you know, being fairly young, you know, that you're pretty susceptible to is just really understanding the transaction costs um and that applies to really everything i mean the the uh the house that i initially bought you know and then you know as a four, as a 15 year um mortgage i mean not only did i lose uh, you know a few thousand in a refinance but i also could have locked in 30 years at at uh 
you know, I think three and a quarter and instead I settle on three and a half. Um, you know, so, and that, you know, that cost me about, oh, you know, I think about $20 a month. So, um, that, that transaction cost also applies to, uh, a rollover of, uh, a Roth account. So I've rolled over a couple of Roth accounts with, uh, Jackson life and Northwestern mutual. Both of those, um, have like an eight year lockup period. And so for that eight years, I'm paying half a percent. Uh, now I was able to, to get them into index funds where, you know, I'm not paying half a percent plus a percent to the, um, to the mutual fund, but I'm still paying, you know, half a percent a year, or I have to, you know, take a, a big hit when I withdraw. So, so those types of transaction costs, um, I also did an indexed universal life insurance very early on when I was extremely risk averse and I just structured it the wrong way. And, you know, and, and that cost me a few thousand as well. So, um, it, just really recognizing that transaction cost and, and that's why I'd actually advise and what, you know, where I'm moving forward in the future, advising you know, or, or kind of focusing a lot more on just index funds, uh, just kind of hands off investing. And, you know, I'm at the point where I can, uh, you know, let the market do the work instead of, uh, spending too much time and attention uh, myself. Awesome. Yeah. I think that's great advice. So I want to do some, uh, rapid fire questions with you. Yeah. And I know you haven't heard these before and we haven't done this on a lot of our other shows, but uh, we think it's something fun and, and something that a couple listeners uh, suggested. So just to the best of your knowledge here. So the yeah. most expensive jeans you've ever purchased. <laughs> oh, uh, let's see. The, the sad thing is, and my wife will tell you this, is I can look at just about every single pair of jeans in my, in my uh, closet and tell exactly how much I paid for them. Um, <laughs> I would say that the most expensive jeans uh, is probably probably thirty two dollars. Okay, most expensive pair of shoes. And and with those, sorry, I'll, I'll go back and add another bit of color. Usually, what I'll end up doing is a store will have a buy two, uh, get the second pair fifty percent off, and so I will actually buy two pairs of jeans, take, take them home, and go back the next day and take the one back, so I still get the discount applied. So. I'm, I'm, <laughs> anyway, that, I'm, that answers I'm, the next. Qu- that answers one of a further down question: is what's the cheapest thing you've done with your money? No, I'm just oh no, I've got, I've got a better one for that. <laughs> oh, good. So, most expensive pair of shoes. Okay, here I have to confess. Um, I actually bought a uh, a pair of Allbirds um, about a year ago, so I paid ninety five. <sighs> You know what? That that doesn't even count. I actually spent a lot of money on shoes. Um, I I also paid about 105 for the Johnson and Murphys uh, for my wedding. So uh, apparently, I spend a ton of money on shoes and uh, no money on anything else. <laughs> Most expensive car? <sighs> Again, too much. Um, I bought a. It, it was a. You know, it was okay. I bought a, a 2013 Ford Fusion Hybrid. Um, I commute quite a bit. And, you know, I ended up paying, my budget was about 13000 I ended up paying about 17000 which, in my opinion, is way too much uh, for a car. I kind of wish I would have stuck in my price range a little bit better. But, uh, but you know, it's it's been a great car. So, But, again, if I did it again, uh, I wouldn't buy the Allbirds and I wouldn't buy the uh, Ford Fusion. So, <laughs> Okay, most expensive meal out that you've paid for? Out of your pocket. 
see i'm in sales so my my boss pays for a lot of right expensive meals um you know i i don't know again i i've been i've been uh, lucky to have quite a few that i've been able to expense to my company maybe that's why i haven't done it myself but i'd say that the most expensive i've and it's funny because when you say most expensive, every single time I had a group on that covered part of the price, but uh, <laughs> but uh, probably around uh, seventy or eighty dollars uh, when everything was said and done for for both of us. Okay, sounds good. What's been your uh, your high school? Not what's been. What was your high school and college GPA? Um, high school was. I think they give you because AP classes. Anyway, I think it was above four, but. Um, I don't, I don't think I got to be in, in high school. Um, college was, uh, right around, I think I finished right around 3.7, uh, 3.6. Somewhere okay. Now. And, and what's worth spending more money on? What do you spend more on? What items? We, we like to spend a little bit of money on travel. Um, uh, we still do travel hacking. You know, I, I get f- flights for free for the most part, but we definitely spend, a little bit of money on traveling and I would say our hobbies we spend money on, you know, we spend a, we buy Apple products and so we spend a bit of a premium there. Um, you know, I like, um, I'd say I spend a little bit more money on cycling than, than most other things. Uh, you know, I look at fishing and you know, I buy pretty cheap, cheap stuff there, for, but, but cycling, I definitely spend a little bit more on and really just things that I feel like I'll get the value out of. And so, you know, nicer, nicer clothes and things like that, that I really think will kind of be worth not necessarily just basing it on price. So, mm-hmm. okay. And what's not worth the money? Here's your opportunity. Yeah. Um, you know, definitely the cars, uh, definitely, you know, even the mortgage, um, you know, it's kind of hard because it's, it's fit into my strategy. It fits into my strategy, but still I feel a little bit guilty sometimes when I'm like, man, I could be renting this for, you know, for 1700 or, you know, and, and do I really want to be paying, you know, the opportunity cost of 1700. Uh, but when you really, you know, sit and look at it, I mean, the, we're certainly saving, you know, for the next 30 years, we'll be saving, you know, easily, you know, 60 to $80 a month because of that extra, you know, 0.75 or 1% uh, on an owner occupied interest rate. So I guess I can forgive myself on that, but certainly, you know, that, that is, is one of it. Cable is another one. We've been really close. Um, the market's a little bit tough here. There's not a big spread between, you know, a cable package and an internet package. So we probably only pay an extra 40 bucks a month for the cable, but you know, even things like that, you know, with cable and with, you know, having Verizon cell phone, it's like, man, I don't know that it's necessarily worth it. But, but again, we've, you know, we, we haven't been lived extremely frugally. Um, you know, we're very frugal on some things and we're not on on others. Um, we spend quite a bit of money on eating out. Uh, but you know, part of that's because we both work full time and we both, you know, work pretty hard at our jobs. And so, um, you know, it's, it's a little hard to feel too guilty there. So, uh, yep. one thing that's not worth spending money on, uh, in my opinion, is a financial advisor, but, um, <laughs> have you ever tried that before? Yeah, yeah, I have. Um, and you know, again, I, it provided a lot of value at the time, you know, be- before I had really become 
too educated. And so, and in fact, that's that's one aspect of Northwestern Mutual that I think I've have gotten a lot out of is, you know, they have a um, diversification strategy of kind of one third real estate, one third life insurance, one third stocks. Um, you know, but but certainly that aspect of you know being able to focus. Uh, you know, and on having different asset classes that I can pull from in down years and, and kind of reallocate, it certainly helps to, you know, it certainly helps with a drawdown strategy down the line, right? And so that's something that I've subscribed to quite a bit, uh, minus the life insurance uh, part, is, you know, I, I want to be fairly split between real estate and stocks. Um, that's not the case right now, primarily because I haven't had access to tax advantage stock accounts where. Uh, I now do. And so moving forward, my plan is, you know, this year will be heavy in the stock market. And I'm excited to be able to contribute 18.5 into my um, stock account and defer taxes on that until later. Uh, um, you know, the HSA and even after tax, you know, accounts being able to put uh, 11,000 into after tax contributions and then convert those over into a backdoor Roth. Um, so, so those types of things, um, you know, again, I'll, I'll move a lot more heavier uh, stock market uh, moving forward and, and uh, probably stop, you know, investing a little in real, sta- in real estate as much. What's been one of your favorite uh, vacations or places you've visited? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, we haven't done a lot of international travel. We've done a lot more uh, in the States, but I think internationally uh, Belize and Guatemala was probably my favorite. Um, I just always loved the culture. Um, we, and we did it that way. Uh, we stayed in an Airbnb that was, uh, <laughs> pretty primitive, which, you know, was again, nicer than the standard of living, but, you know, concrete floor, um, you know, no real walls, um, you know, kind of mosquito nets with curtains. So it was, uh, it was on the river, beautiful, beautiful location, but, you know, very primitive, you know, shared, uh, shared bathhouse, you know, type of a thing. So it was really fun to get that cultural experience. Um, you know, we did a few days um, kind of inland and and toured around some of the Mayan ruins, which was wonderful. And and then, of course, spent the last four days on the, you know, on the Keys um, snorkeling and, uh, you know, doing, you know, various, you know, of course, your beachy vacation things. So, Good stuff. Anthon with a net worth almost $500,000, soon to be a millennial millionaire. Thanks for coming on the show today. (laughs) Hey, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.